Welcome to the Inside Carolina Postgame Podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You got Taylor Vipolis joining us. When we come back, we'll talk about Carolina Notre Dame. First time for you on the post-game podcast <clears throat> on the basketball side. Carolina falls to Notre Dame up in South Bend, 78-73. Tried to get back in it. Carolina did. They they made enough plays to get it close, um, but couldn't make plays to close the deal. Notre Dame makes some free throws at the very end to stretch the margin out to five. What did you see tonight in South Bend? Yeah, the first point is – Kind of like you mentioned, I, I did like the fight that this team showed. I think a lot of people who follow this team and care about North Carolina basketball kind of assumed that this was a game that Notre Dame would just run away with at the end when they got it up to, I think it was, I think it got up to nine or 10 points in, in double figures, but this team came all the way back. They went up one late and then just couldn't finish the job. And I think that this team, this team is somewhere in between a, a top 15 roster in college basketball. And then at times it also looks like a team that really isn't comfortable playing together. I think this team has um, a lot of issues that go beyond a first year head coach. I think this is something that's going to have to be figured out throughout the years with with personnel and the team getting better. And I know that's crazy to say, because I just said, I think this is the top 15 roster in college basketball when they're at their best. So, and like when you saw them in the Michigan game, when you see them against a team, albeit a, a bad Boston college team, where when this team does have it all together, they do look pretty good. The problem is it's, it's just not consistent. And I think they, they have a lot more, um, bad IQ plays than they do good IQ plays. Yeah, I mean, it just looks like a team that can't figure it out at all. <clears throat> like you mentioned, the consistency, not only consistency in play, the consistency in effort and energy, but the consistency in good decisions. Uh, I mean, they cut it to five several times in the second half um, at the under 10-minute mark, and they – just kept making play after play where you just had to scratch your head. And, and then they have a moment where to get there, they take the lead and then give up an open three. I, I mean, Notre Dame made some shots. You got to give them credit for that. They hit 13 threes, but for the most part, those were great look open threes and were on mistakes by Carolina making defensive mistakes. I think the fan base, if I speak to that, um, and I want your opinion, I think the fan base is most upset about the lack of consistency, about the lack of effort at times. Um, at least that's the way it appears on the court. What do you say about that? How does a coach deal with that? I mean, if you've got to coach all these other things, you're a new coach, you got to coach your new scheme, your new offense, your new defense, whatever, and then you throw in that with Hubert, it's a tough ask for a young coach um, with a new team. Yeah, I'm coaching high school basketball now, albeit at uh, not not the level of North Carolina basketball, but the 
the biggest thing from a coaching aspect, like, like you mentioned, you have so many other things to work about. I mean, you have so many other things to think about. You really don't want to have to coach intensity and focus and, and just that consistency that comes with those plays. And I think uh, a point that I kind of wanted to expand on the, the bad IQ plays from this North Carolina team, which is, which I think is their biggest problem right now. You, you look at it, the score, uh, one of the notes I, I made was when it was 72-70, Carolina's down two. I think this was right after right after a Notre Dame three, R.J. Davis three, and then I think Carolina got a stop. They come back down the court, and when I say it, this is a bad IQ team, they play as if they don't know when and where that they have an advantage. They're down two. Caleb Love's dribbling the ball. Armando Baycott is having such a great game. Notre Dame really doesn't have an answer for him in the post. And you have somebody like Caleb Love go down and he takes a contested fadeaway jumper that you could really get at any point in the shot clock. And it was pretty early from what I remember in the shot clock, instead of giving somebody like Caleb Love a touch. And then the, the other problem with, with the, the bad IQ plays that I saw it's, it's on the closeouts on the defensive side of the ball where, this team, I, you really don't want to say it's like, I think the word that I'm looking for is something like lazy. I don't want to attach the word lazy to a def, to Carolina players when I don't really know how hard they're working or I don't really know how hard they can. But from, from the outside looking in and from coaching basketball the past three, four years, it doesn't look like the the most effort when Carolina is closing out and it, it's a, a lack of focus where I think after I think after love takes that contested jumper Notre Dame comes down and you get a poor closeout by Armando Baycott where he fouls the three-point shooter and then I mean once once that game got back up to four with 30 40 seconds left I know Carolina was going to keep battling but at that point, it really felt like the game was going to be out of reach with the way Notre Dame can shoot free throws. Yeah, that stretch you're talking about. Uh, R.J. Davis hits a three, come down. Hub misses a three. They get Carolina gets the rebound, and then Caleb goes one-on-one uh, -on -one in the paint there and then ends up throwing up a jumper that misses. They get a rebound. Baycott fouls Prentice Hub. He makes two of three. Carolina gets a great look after that. Great look. And they miss a layup. Leaky Black misses the bunny there. That would have cut it back down to two points. And then, you know, then it's just you got to – you can't miss again at that point, and they can't make anything after that, and they make their free throws when it counts. Carolina looks ahead to Virginia on Saturday. This is a team that is 10-4, and four, but I think uh, – that is a little deceiving. They've beat some teams they should have beaten. They've played some good basketball in those games. <clears throat> but going into this ACC slate, Virginia's not good either. But Virginia's going to do very much like Notre Dame did. They're going to want to spread Carolina out. They're going to want to run clock, force them to play defense forever. And you mentioned the laziness. I, th I think it's carelessness and lack of attention to detail. We'll call it that rather than lazy, even though I don't disagree with the characterization at times. Um, Virginia's going to put that much, if not more, pressure on them. 
how does Hubert Davis uh, rebound from this one? We're doing this podcast right after the um, game is over, so we hadn't heard the press conferences. We'll certainly listen to them um, definitely before on the beat tomorrow night and then on Inside Carolina Live on Saturday. But, I mean, Hubert, Hubert's got to get this figured out. He's got to get these guys playing hard. He says Bench is the motivator, and he did set Caleb Love really pretty quickly there in the second half, but if it's going to be consistency, it needs to be consistency there, right, from the coaching staff. Get guys' attention. This is not going to be accepted. This is what we're going to do. If you don't play to the standard, you're going to sit consistent, consistent, and then I think it turns around. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think Hubert Davis has to demand a certain level of intensity, a certain level of – uh, consistency going forward, but I don't know how he, he fixes the IQ part because, you know, you, you could put in as many plays as you want. You could put in as many sets as you want. It's hard to teach people how to play the game the right way and how to play, how to play within the flow of the game where I think this Carolina team has a lot of uh, like AAU basketball tendencies where, one person hasn't touched the ball in a while. They're going to try to go get theirs. You know, um, uh, somebody comes down the next time and they haven't shot the ball in three possessions. So when they go down, they're going to go shoot the ball. And the, the you mentioned how they play Virginia on Saturday. Virginia always gives them a, a ton of trouble with the way Tony Bennett does things over in Charlottesville. And the problem with UNC's 10 and four right now is that, yeah, ten and four is good. Yeah, Carolina has beaten who they should who they should beat for the most part up to this point. But when you're looking at this schedule outside of two Duke games, there isn't a ranked team on this schedule, so you really don't have much room to slip up in some of these games if you're still expecting to be a tournament team because there really isn't too many opportunities outside of the two games against the Blue Devils for a chance for signature wins. So I think that's something that Carolina fans should be looking at and should be should be a bit worried about when you have a game like this Notre Dame game. Now I know it's it's really tough to win on in the ACC on the road and Carolina was without somebody like Dawson Garcia and Kerwin Walton who for the most part those two are are they might not be starters um, but they're they're high impact players for this Carolina team that helped them do a lot. But I think that's the most worrying thing about this Carolina team is how down the ACC is, how Carolina is kind of right in the middle of the pack of those average ACC teams, and that there really isn't too much room for this team to make up a lot of ground if they do start to slip up. Yeah, the ACC is bad enough for every loss not to Duke is a bad loss. And that's where it's at at this point. Louisville and Miami both lead the conference. Who knows how they'll round out. Let's talk about some positives before we get out of here. Uh, one thing about the rotation is the rotation wasn't any longer than it was, um, than it has been with those guys being out. But you've got um, guys with, you know, R.J. Davis with 39 minutes. Baycott was on the floor for 36, 33 for Love, 30 for Black. And then it sort of stretched out between Harris, Styles, and Dunn. Armando Baycott continues to be just a monster. Vip, I would argue that him shooting only 13 times tonight was poor. 
because he should have had 20 shots or more against that Notre Dame defense. How does Carolina um, get the big man more shots? I mean, is it a simple solution saying you don't put up a shot without it going to his hands? Or I mean, I'm just kind of at a loss how a guy that's absolutely dominating doesn't have more than 13 shots. Yeah, he finished with 21 points and – he scored five of those points in the second half, two of four from the field in the second half where, I mean, you're looking at this North Carolina team and they, they obviously have flaws throughout their roster that they're trying to compensate for um, through, certain, through certain game plans and through certain players. But four, four field goal attempts for Armando Baycott, is, it's, it's it, – basically unacceptable for for this team to be the team that they expect to be where Baycott is a first team all ACC talent he's somebody who can carry this team when he's at his best this North Carolina team is at his best and I think it really is as simple as just running sets for him and looking for him in the post I think a lot of times he does a great job fighting for position down low in the post and for whatever reason you have somebody like RJ Davis who tends to over dribble at times, or you have somebody like Caleb Love who tends to tends to hunt his shot at times. And I think I think there there's good and bad with the way Love plays, where the good is he does have second half performances like this Notre Dame game where he scores 13 points. He's five of eight from the field. He's three of five from three. He's really getting it going. He's starting to get in a rhythm and he's one of the players where when he starts to get going, it seems like the team starts to feed off that emotion. But then you also get the situation that I was talking about earlier where he kind of loses track of where he is in the game, where Carolina is only down by two Armando Baycott, Notre Dame has no answer for them. Instead, he's he's taking contested fadeaway jumpers because he thinks he has it really going. So I think it, it really is as simple as just looking for Baycott more in the post because he's do he's he's working his tail off fighting for position down low. <clears throat> I'm gonna read you a tweet when we get out of we're gonna get out of here, but I'm gonna read this tweet and I want you to guess who it might be. Don't go looking for it. I'm just done. This one really hurts. I just can't believe what I witnessed tonight. Just refuse to go with what works. I'm disgusted. Quote, unquote. Who said it? I, I, don't, I don't know who said it. Gregory Hall? <clears throat> Armando Baycott Sr. Oh, wow. At 11 p.m. He is not wrong, folks. Carolina has got to figure out a way to feed the big man. I mean, two, four field goals in the second half. That's four field you, goals in the second half. Just look could, at it. You could look at the, you know, Notre Dame shot 13 of 31 from three, six of 12 from three in the second half. But really the story of the game for how, for how bad Carolina was on ball defense, where, they're switching everything. And I know, I know fans are kind of critiquing Carolina for switching everything and thinking that has led to the three point attempts where it's actually the opposite, where I think Carolina is doing its best job switching on, on a lot of these screens where there's really no excuse to give up the, the threes. And it kind of goes back to the point that I was making that this team is very poor with their closeouts. And I think it's, I think they're kind of, so poor with their closeouts because they're poor with their on-ball defense. So 
if they close out hard, they're just getting beat anyways. So it's kind of a, um, a pick your poison for, for this defense when they're closing out on defenders, which obviously has to get fixed with those defenses. But for, for as poor as Carolina was defensively for a majority of the game, the story of this game for me is that Armando Baycott gets four field goals in the second half when he was, he was borderline unstoppable. Imagine a world that Kareem only got four shots or Shaq only got four shots or any other dominant big you could ever imagine. And they only got four shots and they were in the process of dominating a game. Folks, that's where Carolina basketball is at the moment. That's where they are tonight in South Bend. The Irish 78-73 over Carolina, Virginia on Saturday, 1 p.m. in the Smith Center. Should be an interesting game. Probably won't be a lot of pretty basketball played the way Virginia likes to do it. But Carolina needs to figure out a way to get it done. I'm, ta- I'm Tommy Ashley. Taylor Vipolis, appreciate you taking the time to join me, my man. Always appreciate it. Yep, Johnny T-Shirt sponsors us. Check them out online and in person. And also rate us, review us, and subscribe. We'll talk to you again. Check out On The Beat Live, 8 o'clock Thursday night. Thanks. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.